welcome to the Crazy Bird podcast. I'm your host, Violeta Kaminska, and today I'm with a very special guest reporting to us from Paris, France, Valerio Sanicandro. Did I pronounce your name correctly, Valerio? Yes, absolutely, Violeta. Glad to be it's here. It's like a piece of music. Yes. <laughs> you know, Sanicandro. Uh, Valerio was born in Italy and then studied in Germany. Uh, he will tell us a little bit more about that later. Uh, currently, he lives in Paris. So Valerio is a very cosmopolitan artist. And yes, Valerio is an artist. He is a composer, musician, and I'm very excited to host you here. So welcome to Crazy Bird Podcast. Thank you, Violetta. Usually I introduce our guests, but today, well, I did introduce you very briefly, but I would like to switch it up a little bit, make it more exotic, and I will let you, Valerio, tell us a little bit more about yourself and share with our listeners a little bit about your background. Okay, Violetta, so I'll try, I'll try. Stage... <laughs> Go for it. The stage is yours. Thank you, Violetta. <laughs> So, um, for all the Crazy Bird listeners, I can just say that I'm what you call usually a composer. Composer of contemporary music means the music. It is a development of the classical music that we, they, we do nowadays. That means also that the classical music developed itself uh, also in, uh, in the language, language and various aspects. So, the contemporary music offers to the listener today a very wide range of uh, musical adventures. And in order to, to get closer to the kind of music I do, I say that the main word that I can use to define it is the, the space, so that my music, I usually say, is deeply immersed into the idea of space. Um, this is not only the um, way to use uh, electronic means to specialize the sounds in space, but also uh, in my music I try to analyze some phenomena that are connected to the space, sound and space, and I'm trying to, um, to use these ideas to form, to write my scores. My scores can be for um, orchestras, for um, chamber ensembles. Recently, I'm very interested in writing for voices, but also these instruments can be uh, used together with live electronics or electronic sounds. So if I have to mention some projects that I consider important for me, then I will surely mention a work that I composed in Paris, the Centre Saint-Ircam. It is a center where musicians and scientists, acousticians, meet together. This work is called Jus Lucis. We are back in 2006-2007. special part of this work is that it is conceived for two ensembles, so two instrumental groups, that are playing synchronously in two different concert halls. And this work is very important for me because I started this crazy idea to have musicians with musical discourses happening in distant places. And what I found last year during the confinement, all this experience, is that the idea of proximity and remoteness, that is a quite interesting and very poetic aspect in this kind of uh, multi-spatial work, became finally quite up-to-date because we were 
all dealing with this, how we can connect being far away and so on and so on. So, but what interests us is the fact that if we have different places where musicians are playing and are interacting in different ways, we can also create new ways technically in the, in the sense of uh, really what composer thinks, but also poetically because there are some moments where the fact that something doesn't happen here, some is happening somewhere else, and we can hear, and sometimes we cannot hear that. Well, it gives another sense, another quality to the experience of listening. This is really interesting because we are talking about a year 2006-2007, right? Yes, but after that I, I composed mm -hmm. various works. Um, another one in Berlin for the, um, this very special hall at Akademie der Künste, is the Academy of Arts in Berlin. And the most recent one I'm composing for a festival in Germany, Stuttgart, is for 24 voices and three violas in a separate space. But here, maybe I can, I can tell you a little bit more about this, this work that I'm still finishing. Sure, the interesting part is that not only in the main part of the work when all musicians are playing together. The three violas are in another room, so I have the chance to create, because it's amplified, the three violas are playing with the microphones and the sound is projected in the main room where the voices are performing. So I can use, I can manipulate the sound of the viola to create an aura or to create more intense textures. And it's also a meeting between two different acoustics. So the natural acoustic of the voices performing the hall where the audience is placed and this other acoustic that I can change, I can transform, that comes through the loudspeakers. But the other aspect of this work is that there is a first part, is a diptych, in which the three violas play a short movement, a short piece, and this piece comes before, at the beginning, then other pieces coming between the first and the main part, so there is a process of remembering. The three violas are playing on stage. They are playing some parts that comes from the main work. Then other things happen in the concert, or maybe there is the contract. Mm -hmm. And then when the main part of the work comes, we are starting really to remember some elements. So you see this crossing of time, of spaces, is getting more and more complex, but it takes into account the perspective on the experience of listening. I find your description fascinating. I'm not familiar with composing or with music on such a level, so I don't know much about it, but I do love music that you compose. I love listening to it, but I don't really understand how it's being created. And what I love, actually, when we have guests on our Crazy Bird podcast, we get to hear a little bit, like get inside, a little bit of sneak peek preview into artists' way of working or how that magic, as we say magic, because we usually, audience, we experience the final product, but we don't really know what it takes to create it. We can imagine a lot of work, but I haven't heard the piece yeah. yet, the latest, but I already appreciate it. I'm really curious about it. But what I also find fascinating when you mentioned 
the first piece, 2006, 2007, would you say, and you talked about distance also, would you say that it helped you or prepared you a little bit how to deal with COVID situation? And because I'm sure it affected your work, right? Well, your distance. Well, I was physically. Yes, I was already prepared for that, you know. That's the funny part that when all this happened, I was reviewing this project. It was clear to me that they became very, very up to date, very actual in the sense of the actuality of the of the world but being actual is not the point of all this of course this idea of having several places several musicians playing different parts it has to do also with the way i look to music and you might say that there are some visual aspects to my music but also the fact that i'm trying to introduce several aspects facets of other arts for example installations to the concert music in the sense that I'm trying to deconstruct the experience of listening, making it so that it's not finished one time, but you need to listen two parts, because in, the, in that project the audience was divided in two, and when the piece was finished, they changed the room, concert hall, and the piece were played again in order to listen the other part. And what happens is that you reconstruct as listener the entire piece in your mind and you start making correlations links between what you in your memory what your memory can really keep and so you reconstruct the piece in your mind it's a very dynamic and active way but i mean this happens do you remember when in the 70s end of 60s discussion about open work l'opera aperta so umberto eco these this guys mm -hmm. actually every work is open i mean poetry is, is a clear example that the message is very very open to different interpretations and it resonates differently if I read it or if you, you read it. And in this case, it's really an expansion of this idea of being open, of openness. It's made with this, I call this deconstruction, but it's a deconstruction that multiplies the possibilities and the paths of listening of the piece. I remember meeting you in person. I actually got a chance to meet you in person a few years ago in Paris. Yes. You were a guest speaker. I was taking a summer course, Motion by Design, with our Eric, Eric mutual Gare. dear friend. Yes, Eric Adegard, he uh, teaches at CCA, and he was teaching that class in Paris at that time with Laurence Arcadia. She's the animation chair at MICA in Baltimore. So I remember that was our first encounter, and I was so impressed, and it was my really first time, I think, I got to meet in person a composer who talked in such an interesting way about their work. And I remember how you talked about poetics, language. I found it really interesting. It was a new way for me to hear and to think of music, composition. And then we collaborated, which was really exciting to me too. And I really appreciated, and you mentioned that, you mentioned the word visuals. We chatted, you and I chatted about it before we started this interview. I'm really impressed with you as a composer working with language and sound, music, but you're also very sensitive. Image is really important to you. And I see that even on Instagram, social media, your photographs or your videos that you even take or combine with your music. They're very poetic, <laughs> thank, you, thank you. We did work together on one project and we are working right yeah. now uh, on another, which is really exciting yeah. to me. That's always has been my dream to work with composers. Yeah, you know, Violetta, maybe a couple of years ago, I was very radical in the sense that I will say that why we must need an image to transmit a certain message. But finally, I was reading some philosopher 
and one of these philosophers, Italian philosopher called Massimo Cacciari, who worked also with Luigi Nono, is very famous. Well, basically, he was analyzing some pictures of the Italian Renaissance, and the picture itself is actually it's not only the mere scene of what's happening, but it's very symbolic. So reading a picture is actually interpreting and going deeper. And coming back to music, I think that sometimes if I can use an image to make it more accessible, I think it's something that can be useful. But it doesn't mean that mm-hmm. trying to make it easier. You know, my music, it's very demanding and it's very complex sometimes. But I think that an image can be a key that I can give to the listener to access a little bit in this very strange and crazy world sometimes. <laughs> right. And I think especially now, since we are so image-driven, And it doesn't have to be on screen. We already know that screens took over our life, but we are looking at so much. We are traveling well with COVID. It's maybe not so much physical travel, but still we constantly look and experience. I liked what you said. I never thought about it this way, music and image, but he said accessible. And I do agree. You're not making it just easier because it's not enough. It won't just be easy if I look at something and listen. I still have to, depends on the music, yeah. right? When you're talking about your compositions, you need to make an effort. But I think image can help to connect. Yeah. But also... I've noticed I don't have to always watch or sit through visuals, but sometimes it's the start because it helps me, like you said, makes it accessible, helps me to connect and maybe to some extent, which I'm talking about music and sound, but I want to use the word maybe quieten, kind of just get a little bit in this meditative state. So I just stay focused. Well, I'll tell you a story just to explain you this idea of giving image to make things more accessible. So a couple of years ago, I was invited by this American conductor, Evan Christ, who was the chief conductor of orchestra near Berlin. We are talking a very, very conservative orchestra when he came there. And he was trying to introduce some contemporary music. And he did actually, well, we did together a great job in the sense that we were inviting composers and so on. So the first experiences with the audience there were really adventurous in the sense that the audience was not like very much but suddenly I had to write a new piece for them and I had this idea of sounds in my mind that were connected to the winds and idea to compose a piece for orchestra that was very abstract in the sense made of wind sounds without melodies without harmonies so very very abstract actually but the fact that I titled this piece Windströme means wind streams in German but the fact that I gave in the title this image gave a very very surprising result because this audience liked peace. Although it was not easy peace, it was not entertaining, it was very abstract, very like contemporary music uh, sometimes is. But that was really the experience that made me think actually you need something that calls the imaginary, the image of the people in order to be able to transmit. And of course sometimes it, it goes in a very very different direction. In um, one of these works that I compose, I call this work Spatial Works because yeah, it's a series of compositions for very different combination of instruments that are actually focusing on some spatial configuration. For example, two rooms or two adjacent rooms, the one in Berlin, or for example, a book of forms that I composed while I was at the American Academy in Rome in 2012-2013. I was invited as an affiliated artist. And this piece is actually, there are six musicians, they are playing 
changing their wind instruments and one percussionist, changing the direction of their instrument in order to interact with the architecture. So some of these pieces, and this is one of them, are very abstract. So you see, sometimes you need to give a very clear hint to the listeners. Some other times I really stay on my, my idea of that more abstract experience. So I wanted to ask you a question I ask all my guests about process. And I wonder if there is a particular process, if you have your own process, sometimes I call it in graphic design or in visual art methodology of making. How do you work? That's always, listeners are always very curious about it, how artists create. Well, I can define the working process like a formative process in the sense there are many different forces that converge to the final result. Of course, these different forces don't come all together. That would be a miracle, <laughs> but usually <laughs> it happens that this forces your ideas. I mean, you, you get ideas concerning, for example, a kind of sound, but you don't have any idea about how the discourse should be. You have an idea about which instruments you are going to use, but you have no idea about duration or how the timing, the time repartition of the piece. So, you see, and these things, they, and many, many, many others, they come after the other different moments in, the, in time. And you put this idea in the drawers and you let these things become bigger and bigger. So, it happens that when, for example, somebody is asking me to write a piece, Usually I have something path to go, otherwise I need more time to, to prepare it. Finally, somebody demanding, asking me to write a piece, brings also many practical and pragmatic solutions. Well, Valerio, thank you so much. It's been really wonderful to have you here and to learn from you as usual and have this very interesting conversation. I love it how we can talk about music. Then you mention a philosopher, then you mention another artist, then you go back and forth and we talk about visuals. It's always very interesting to talk to you and to listen to you. So thank you so much for that feast. So once again, thank you. And I should say au revoir. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Bird Podcast. The Crazy Bird Podcast is hosted by Violeta Kaminska. Our guest for this episode was Valerio Sanicandro. You can learn more about Valerio and his work on his website at valeriosanicandro.eu, on Instagram at valerio underscore sanicandro, and on SoundCloud at Valerio Sanicandro. Also, you can learn about two composition mentorship programs including the Junior Mentorship Program, on our website, crazybirdpodcast.com. Our theme music is inspired by Tambourine by French composer François-Joseph Gosset. The improvisation is performed by Agnieszka Kowalik. Nature sounds are recorded by Violeta Kaminska. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by Violeta Kaminska.